is it legal to let your 18-year-old son, who is a senior in high school, to have sex with his 15-year-old sophomore girlfriend? Well, everyone does it, you might say. What are we to do? But quite frankly, it could land him in prison and on the sex offender list for 25 years. Well, you betcha. That's one of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning. What are the laws regarding our kids having sex and how it was the largest prosecutor's office in the state of Michigan deciding to prosecute these cases. Well, today we have a chance to ask one of these prosecutors. Laura Weingarten is an assistant prosecuting attorney for Wayne County, Kim Worsey's office, who we've had on the show several times. She's in charge of the child, of charge of the child abuse unit since being there and appointed there in 2004. She's been a prosecutor since 1985 for over 25 years, a graduate of the University of Michigan, Go Blue, and Wayne State University Law School. Laura, welcome to the Weinberg on the Law Show. Thanks, Scott. Laura, you know, one of the things that we talk about here, and, and I know that you obviously deal with it because you talk to kids in schools, is wh- what are the laws regarding our age of consent? Because that is something, while people talk about the term statutory rape, I don't think people really realize how they could get in trouble having any kind of sexual contact under the age of 16. Okay, you're right, Scott. Our education system does not teach our kids what the laws are relating to sex. In Michigan, the age of consent is 16, and that's for both boys and for girls. That means that if you are not 16, you cannot engage in any kind of sex, not sexual contact, not uh, certainly not sexual intercourse, and not oral sex. And our kids are not being taught that. Um, and therefore, the older, usually it's an older boy with a younger girl, and they don't realize that the older boy is going to get into big trouble when but, he has sexual relations with his younger girlfriend. But every prosecutor is different. And, you know, Laura and I have worked together for years in, in different cases. And, and as a criminal defense attorney, you see all around the state, quite frankly, all around the country, because I'm also a, an attorney in Chicago, but all around this state, Every prosecutor's office has a different policy of when to bring these charges. There's no uniformity in terms of, let's say that there's two years difference or three years difference. How can we as parents, I mean, how can we know what to advise our kids when we don't know what our, our county prosecutor is going to do? I'm a parent also of two teenage boys, and my advice to every parent is to tell their girls and their boys that if someone is not 16, they should not be having sex or sexual contact. It's a bright line. The law says 16. Now, as a practical matter, as you said... Really? I mean, does that really work? I mean, come on. Well, I hope it's worked so far in my family. (laughs) I hope so, too. Um, But we do. there are things that we do when we do have a youthful offender, and by youthful I mean a child who's 17, 18, 19, or 20, who is having and I'm putting this in quotations, consensual sex with a younger partner. Um, As long as that partner is 13 and up, so not 12 or under, but 13 and up, if it's consensual, meaning the older person didn't force the younger person, we have a special program that we can put them on called HIDA. It's H-Y-T-A, and it stands for Holmes Youthful Trainee Act. It's a provision that our legislature wrote that allows these youthful offenders to be put on probation, and if they complete probation without any other uh, violations of the law, 
their name does not go on the sex offender registry, and they don't have a criminal conviction at the end of it. And that's so important to try to keep these these kids, especially that can be in that program, off the sex offender list. Because quite frankly, no matter what happens, that is one of the lasting effects of these criminal sexual conduct convictions. Yes, uh, being on the registry is maybe worse than having a conviction because what happens is if you apply to go to college or you apply for a job, the public has easy access to the sex offender registry. We could go on it right now and find out who amongst our neighbors are on the list or in our zip code, and certainly colleges and employers can do that also. No college or or employer wants a sex offender on on their campus or in their uh, workplace. What do you think about that? Do you think that there are crimes that now you are being convicted of criminal sexual conduct? Obviously, there's horrific ones, too. And, you know, there's, there's just like this one in, uh, at out west where there's, there's, there's people that are committing violent rapes, but there's also ones that are much more, I don't want to say common, they're much more, I guess, um, less aggressive. They're ones that they fall under the registry, they're criminal sexual conduct, fourth degree, a high misdemeanor, but they still have to register. Do you think it's fair that their neighbors are able to see that they are convicted of it? Well, the goal of the registry is to give the public notice so that adults can protect their children if they bother to look on the registry. There are probably some people on the registry who are not dangerous and who the public doesn't need to know about. Um, there's a common misconception. Those who argue that the sex offender registry is too broad, they say that if you get caught urinating in public, you go on the registry. And that's just not true. Right. The, that crime is called indecent exposure. You have to be convicted of that crime three times before you have to register as a sex offender. Right. There's a lot of misconceptions. That is for sure that every type of what people would say are pe- public indecencies, um, e- even... Even things that, uh, I mean, for instance, to say that you're pleasuring yourself in public. I mean, should those things be on the registry? Well, that would be called an aggravated indecent exposure, and you have to get convicted twice of that before you go on the registry. And that makes sense. I mean, those are people that, quite frankly, either bad judgment or make a mistake. They really should be given another chance to re- to not be on that. But if they do it again, you know, maybe it is appropriate that they're on there. Yes. I think most of the time, the people who are on the registry belong there. What about teachers? I mean, tell us about that. How Have you prosecuted teachers that have committed these sex offenses, and are they separately listed, or are they just sort of combined with all the different uh, people that are convicted and now on this registry? Okay, we have had teachers and coaches convicted of sex crimes. Um, usually the scenario is, is that they have, quote, an affair with an underage student, and interestingly, we have more female teachers doing that with boy students than we do adult male teachers with girl students and in is that, recent years. And is that something your office has prosecuted, these women having uh, sex with the kid? With the, Absolutely. With the boys? We take it very, very seriously. When a parent sends a kid to school, the last thing on their mind is, I have to protect my child from his teachers or her teachers. So we, we take it very seriously. There are women that we've prosecuted that are in prison as we speak for having relationships with the students. And there are pending cases also, which I'm, I can't talk about because they're pending. What is the, and I know that you had talked about something before regarding the Haida, but what is the Romeo and Juliet cases? Okay, by Romeo and Juliet cases, we're referring to teenage affairs, teenage uh, romantic relationships. 
And as I said, it's usually an older boy with a younger girl, although not necessarily. We've had older girls with younger boys. Is that is that something that you prosecute? You know what? I was a prosecutor. I don't think I ever saw that, an older girl having sex with the other than a teacher like you were talking about i guess you know what we've had it where there were there were mothers of kids and that was that was actually more common than i than i thought that the mothers of the kids were having sex with their young boy teenage boys friends yes we've had those too i mean that that was amazing i think i saw like three or four of those cases in the couple years i was there and and you know what that actually in one way you know you sit there and you look at you know summer 42 or you look at movies that depict it as being romantic and it being a situation where it really can be a young boy's dream. But psychologically, it has a lot of effect on these boys when they're having those kind of uh, relationships with older women. Yes, it's a misconception that if a boy is having a relationship with an older woman, you know, good for him, at a boy, and we pat him on the back. I think that's an old school thought process. They are young, they're developing in terms of their sexuality and their maturity, and the last thing they should be thinking about is having sex with their teacher or with their friend's mother. I mean, they, they need to be growing and maturing in a normal way and not, and not being taught by this older woman. And it is damaging to them, even though at the moment they may not think so. But I've talked with men who have had relationships with older women when they were teenagers, and as they grow up and mature, they realize how detrimental it was to them. So we know we're doing the right thing by prosecuting these adults or older people having sex with younger people. Now, I know that you were talking with uh, Lauren Weingarten, assistant prosecutor in uh, Wayne County uh, Prosecutor's Office. I know that you talk in schools, too. But do you feel that the schools are giving any type of sex ed that's working? Whatever they're giving is not working. I interview kids often, and the first thing that strikes me is that they're never using birth control. And it's bad enough they're doing it, but they're not using birth control. And we have so many kids who are pregnant or who get diseases. Who knows? uh, We we wouldn't know if they're uh, exposed to HIV because those test results come down later down the road. But whatever the schools are doing, it's not adequate. But do you think we should be handing out condoms in schools? Because I know they do that around the country. You know, I don't know that it's a school's place to do it, but maybe the health department should be the one doing it. Or the parents. If the parents know their kids are having sex and uh, they're not going to abstain, it's the parents' responsibility to make sure that children are educated about how to avoid pregnancy and disease. I mean, that is really the main thing. You know, you know they've had it, and Lori, we're about the same age, the, all through our lives, where how do you talk to kids? How did our parents talk to us if they did it at all? And how do you talk to our kids, whether they're young kids or even teenage kids now, about sex? Because there's no teenage kid that doesn't know about sex. That's not the issue, is do they know about it? It's what you were talking about that makes sense, which is how do they, do they know, one, what the law is of consent, and two, how do they protect themselves from any type of pregnancy or disease? And that really is, I don't care what people say about health education, that is the important thing to learn, not just from the school, but from your parents. Right. And the parents have to start young. They have to start when the child is two years old and in the bathtub and teach them the proper names for body parts and teach them who's allowed to touch you there. And by the time the child is old enough to wipe themselves after using the bathroom and to bathe themselves, the child should be told only you, yourself, and your doctor can touch you there. 
And as they're growing up, I would explain to them that the law in Michigan is that if you're not 16, you can't let anyone touch you and you can't touch anyone else. And if you do, you're going to have a criminal record. And I would talk about what are the effects of a criminal record. Well, you might not get into college. You might not be employable, et cetera. Um, and that you talk about the fact that you could go to prison for f- up to 15 years. And it's pretty much a scared straight with facts that are legitimate and real. We're not we're not lying to these kids. We're telling them like it is. Well, that is scary. That is true because I I really do believe that most people, especially parents, don't realize how young that age of consent is. We've been joined here by Laura Weingarten, the assistant prosecutor in the child abuse unit at Wayne County, Kim Worthy's office. Laura. It's been educational. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll be able to get you back on and, and talk about uh, some of the other uh, good things that you're doing, but protecting our, our children and also uh, doing some fair prosecutions. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, get you back on this summer. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. One of the uh, main things that she was talking about is clearly when we educate our kids in good touches, bad touches, and that education, even under the age of 10, is so important. Have you or a loved one been arrested or charged with a crime? Do you want to stay out of jail and try to keep your record clean? Then you need the attorneys from Weinberg Law at 1-800-7100-LAW. And if you call right now, they can qualify you for a payment plan designed just for you. That's right, an affordable top criminal law firm. Call 1-800-7100-LAW. Stay out of jail. Keep your record clean. And qualify for payment plans. Call now, 1-800-710-0529. That's 1-800-7100-LAW. 